Good morning. Welcome to Bethlehem Lutheran Church, where God has called and gathered us here this day to receive his gifts through his word. The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday after the Epiphany is from Exodus chapter 33. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us? so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please, show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel is from St. John, the second chapter. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. 
Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you all ever heard the idea or the thought that Martin Luther pulled some of his hymns from old bar tunes? Unfortunately, if you're particularly attached to that old tale, then it's probably not what you think. He certainly did not just go to the bar and listen to whatever tunes they were singing there and then bring them over and stick nice sacred words to them. In fact, when it is said that Luther used barred music or bar tunes for his hymns, all that it means is that he had the bar sign in there, which is to say that they repeated the repeat sign. And as you just heard a couple of minutes ago, we in fact still use that. You repeat the music with different verses. However, I think that one of the reasons that we maybe like that idea, that we, so one of the positive ideas about Luther pulling some of those kind of common tunes that the people used, is that it's a good way to express the joyful praises of our Lord. And just because that's not true, just because Luther didn't just go and steal the bar tunes from the bar, doesn't mean that our praise can't be joyful. Just think about the praise that we see in our brothers and sisters in Africa and how much we admire them for their joy that just seems to be so clear, so just explosive in their worship. Worship that lasts sometimes all day, because sometimes it takes a full day to travel to where they need to worship. Or maybe thinking a little bit closer to home, just think about that first Easter hymn that we sing right after the season of Lent. Just think about the joy that just bursts forth from us, that we finally get to be excited again, we finally get to be truly joyful again. Of course, you all recognize, though, that this, this joy that we are speaking of, that we know as Christians, that that's more than just an emotion. It's more than just that happiness or that feeling of excitement that we have. We know that the joy that we have a, as a Christian is deeper than that. It's, it's almost a state of being. And we know that we get that joy, we get that state of being, because we recognize that we know the end of our story. We know what's going to happen. 
We know that God, in the end, is going to work all things for the good of those who love him. And we know that by God's gracious act, he lets us love him. And so, just because we don't have maybe the the most contemporary worship around, just because we aren't just going and grabbing whatever songs you're hearing in the bars and playing them here, doesn't mean that we can't have joy. Just because our songs are maybe a little bit more formal doesn't mean that they aren't just as full of joy, a joy that is deep and lasting, a traditional joy that's been handed down year after year after year. And that's good and salutary and right. Our intro today talks a lot about praising our Lord. And so, as we look at this, let's see if we can find that joy that's there. And perhaps most importantly, why we have that joy. Listen again, therefore, to our introit for today. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. A good three quarters of our intro for today is talking about us singing praises to our God. And in fact, it's, it's not even just us. It's actually the entire world. It's all the earth singing praises to him. Simply by doing what it was meant to do. Simply by the trees growing, the birds singing, the sun giving us the warmth that we need. Creation itself praises our Lord by fulfilling its purpose. And of course, We too, in fact, join in that praise. We too give that praise to our Lord. But one of the fascinating things about our intro is that it has different types of praising the Lord going on. The first one that we see is probably the most common thing that we think about when we think about praising our Lord. And that is giving Him thanks. Thanking Him for what He has done in our lives. Thanking Him for the many blessings that he has poured out on us. The vast majority of the time that we are praising him, that's probably what we're doing. We are thanking him with our songs, with our voices, with our thoughts, with our prayers. But that is not the only kind of praise. The second type that we see here is shouting for joy. That is to say, rejoicing in our Lord. And like I mentioned earlier, we recognize that joy is not just those feelings, not just those emotions. It's deeper than that. But make no mistake, it encompasses 
those, joy, those feelings. It encompasses that happiness and that excitement, and it's okay to be vocal about that. It's okay to shout out your joy, to shout out those good emotions, and to shout out the truth that we are happy even when we're suffering, that we are joyful even when we're suffering on account of what we know is going to happen to us in the future. But there are yet more ways of praising, and our third one is perhaps the least common that we think of nowadays, at least as far as praises go. Singing the glory of our Lord. Another way to think about this is simply singing what he has done, telling people what he has done. And this most certainly is also praising our Lord. And we recognize as well that we are so blessed, we have been given the privilege that when we do this, when we praise the glory of our Lord, when we tell people what he has done, the awesome deeds that he has worked, that our Lord uses that. Our Lord uses those praises, uses those proclamations, uses those sharing of the word that he has given us and actually brings other people to join us in this kingdom with us. That he actually uses the words that come out of our mouth to create faith inside of people is a true blessing and yet more reason to sing the glory of our Lord, that he can actually manage to use broken vessels like us as his tools to bring people to be with him. And last but not least, when we sing our praises to our Lord, often what we're doing is worshiping him. And interestingly enough, here in this introit, the word worship here is being used in a little bit of a different way than what I would usually use it. Usually when I'm talking about worshiping, I'm talking about what God is doing for us. But here, it is truly something that we are doing. But how can we worship our God? What can we actually do for him? The answer, of course, is nothing. But... When we worship our Lord, what we are doing is we are recognizing that he is truly our God. That he is the only God that we have and that he's the only God that we should have. Because as you all know, there are many great things that will try to get into the place where God should be. Maybe it's your workplace trying to be your God trying to take over your life. Maybe it's the government trying to come in and invade your spiritual life and say that they should be at the center. They should be your God. Maybe it's even your family. Even your family can take the place of God in your life, can become the single most important thing when that is what God is supposed to be. And that's not even talking about things like video games or friends or food or pleasure or all those silly things. 
In many ways, it almost seems like everything is trying to take the place of God in our lives. But the truth of the matter is that we need God to be our God. And that when we worship Him, when we praise Him by worshiping Him, we are recognizing that truth. We are recognizing that all of those other things, your work, your family, the government, your friends, all of those things can't live up to the burden that you would place on them by being your God. They can't handle it. In case you aren't aware, we tend to be a bit needy on occasion. And trying to turn your family or your friends into the person that you rely on for everything isn't fair to them. Especially when you have a person who has promised to be that for you. Who has promised to be the one who will give you everything. Who has promised to be the one who you can cast all your cares and burdens on. And so why in the world wouldn't we worship him? Why in the world wouldn't we recognize him as our God. Why do we praise our Lord? It's quite simple, according to our introit. Come and see what God has done. And what has he done? Even if you just look at, from the Psalms' point of view, just think of all the things that they know about. They know about the fact that God created the world. He created everything. They know that he flooded the world when the time was necessary. They know that when his people needed to be brought up out of Egypt, that he enacted the ten plagues and split the Red Sea, saving them, bringing them out in Exodus. We also know that our Lord can be stood against by no one. That his enemies come to him cringing because of how powerful he is. Whether it's the false gods, whether it's us, whether it's all those things that I was talking about with the work and the government and family and friends and video games and all that stuff, nothing can stand against our God. He defeats all of his enemies. And yet despite that great power, despite the truth that he has done all of these awesome deeds We recognize the truth that towards us he directs his care, his love, and his mercy. We recognize that he actually listens to us. That he has not rejected our prayer. We see a great example of that in our gospel reading for today. When Mary sees a need and simply brings that need to the attention of Jesus, her God. And Jesus, while initially rebuffing her and giving her a little bit of a rebuke, recognizes the faith in her prayer and does do something about it. He will never remove his steadfast love from us. And we know that to be true because we saw the lengths that he was willing to go for us. His most awesome deed when he died on the cross for the sins of the world. We recognize that when he did that, he ensured that we would have a place with him. He, in fact, restored to us the joy of creation. 
He made it so that we can find joy in everything now. So that even now, when God is in the right place in our life, the center and the most important thing, that we can in fact find joy even in working. That even on occasion we can find joy in the government, in the nation. That we can find joy in being with our family. And that we can find joy even in all those other silly things like friends and video games and all that. Because of what our Lord has done for us, He has made it so that our lives can be joyful. Even though the world is suffering, even though we are suffering, we can be joyful because we know the truth. We know that joy comes from knowing what our Lord has done for us and knowing what He will do for us. And so even now we are free to sing the praises of our God, the God who has done these things for us, who continues to hear our prayers, continues to love us steadfastly and loyally, our God who will one day come for us and bring us to be with him, to live in everlasting joy and peace and bliss. And therefore we are free to praise him for all of eternity. Now may the peace which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>